Today we're going to be starting in the book of John, chapter 21. If you guys would join me to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. And if you're there, say amen. If you're not, say hold up. Everybody's there? All right, should we all stand for the reading of God's word, please? John chapter 21, verse 15 to 19. John, John. Don't worry if you don't know where it is. A time ago, I didn't either. And I was supposed to read John 1, 1. Totally messed it up. But that's a story for a different day. So John chapter 21, verses uh, 15 to 19. The word of the Lord reads as follows. I'm reading from the ESV English Standard Version. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by the kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Brothers and sisters, look over to your neighbor and say, neighbor, oh neighbor. Do you love God? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Um, and just giving us the opportunity to gather around your word. Lord, we desperately, desperately need you. Please help us to be able to go through your word today. Gain understanding of what your resurrection means for us. We thank you. We give you all honor and adoration. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So, some of the reasons why I haven't been able to be around as much is because I was traveling for a bit. Now, I had the opportunity to go to Vancouver and visit some family there for a couple of days. Maybe four or five days or so. Everything's blurred now. But while I was on the plane, um, I sat by a man and his wife, an elderly man, um, keep his name anonymous. But we had a conversation. He told me all about his life, the things that he had done, the places he had been. Now, mind you, this was my first time outside of either Ghana or the US and some transits in Europe. But my first time going to another place. So looking at this man and all the places that he had been, he had been all over Europe, all over Asia, all the Caribbean, all over Africa, wherever it is, he's been, right? So this is a man that's very well learned, well-traveled, and everything he did with his wife, and they were on their way to Tahiti. This man was coming from um, Quebec and Montreal, and um, he was heading on over to Tahiti with his wife and some friends, just living his life, right? So we were on this five-hour flight from Dulles, D.C., all the way to San Francisco. I had to do a transit there. And so we got to talking for the bulk of the time. 
asked him so many questions. And it got to a point where I just had to ask him. Ask him about church. Ask him about life. Ask him about God. And I asked, you know, what's life like for you? What is, what is your relationship like with Christ? Do you have one? And he decided to continue to tell me about what his life had been like. And he said, you know, I used to believe. I used to have a relationship. I used to go to church. And he was, he was Catholic. And so he would say that the reason why he stopped was because whenever he'd go to church, he would have to go to confession. And at confession, he felt like he had nothing that he needed to say. There was nothing that he needed to confess for. But he was pressured into saying something. So he would say, oh, he would go to one person and say, you know, this week he was mean to his mom or something like that. And then the priest would forgive him of that and then he would move on to the next person. And then when he got to the next booth to go and ask for forgiveness, he was like, please forgive me because I just lied, right? He just told a lie three, two minutes ago. And it just all became so crazy to him that he didn't understand. And to put the icing on the cake, he comes from a very large family. He's got like eight brothers and sisters. And his dad was, you know, worked with his hands and everything. And um, his father always gave to the church, gave maybe a penny here, $2, whatever they had back then, he gave to the church. And then to put the icing on the cake, this man, he's had his chance now to travel the world, right? He travels to Italy, he travels, he gets to Rome, he goes to the chapels, he goes to the Vatican, and he sees that within the Vatican, the walls are built with gold. They're plated with gold. And then the only thing he can think about is how his father's few pennies and dimes and money that he gave to the church went to that project went to gold when he and his family had nothing. And so because of that, him, accompanied by his wife that wasn't really believing to begin with, decided to step away from all of that. And, you know, he's living a fairly successful life compared to the world's standards. Now I bring up this story, and we'll connect it all back together. So bear with me for a little bit, okay? I bring up the story just to ask the question, do you relate to this in any way? In your own way, in your own times, in your own places in life, have you yourself potentially doubted? Have you yourself had your concerns that go unanswered? I can say that I have. I felt him. And one thing, the only advice I could give him at the time was to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we have failed you as a church. I'm sorry that we failed you as a body of Christ. If you don't take anything away from today, maybe one of the things I hope you take is that if you follow man, you will never follow God. If you follow man, you will never follow God. Why? Because we are all so sinful, so prone to mistakes, that if you look at somebody and say, this is the reason why I'm going to go to church, or this is the reason why I'm going to accept Christ, then you are surely mistaken. You will easily fall away. For example, there was another man by the name of Rabbi Zacharias, very, very prominent guy. We found out later on that Ravi had a very dark, dark past and activity with people. So when people heard that, a lot of folks were like, oh no, Ravi did this, then Christianity must not be true. Jesus must not be real. I don't want you guys to get there. So I'm telling you straight up that if you look at man, you will never follow God. Even me, I'm so prone to so many things. I simply ask to be used as a vessel. That does not mean that I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Okay? So, one verse that I do want us to go to 
because I know we have we will get back to um, Peter in this discussion in a minute. I'll break that down all for you guys because you said when we get together, the point is exegesis, not necessarily pretty much talking about what we want to talk about. So we look at the scripture and then figure out, okay, what is the scripture saying? What is the Holy Spirit telling us in the scripture? So the point that I want us to go back to is going to be, if you guys still have your Bibles out, please go with me to, where are you? Let me double check. Please go with me to John chapter 20. So just flip a page back, chapter 20, verse 19 to 29. Because when I think about this man and the things that I was able to, to share with him, I hope it helps him. But I also ask myself, like I've asked you guys, is he alone in this? And we see within scripture that he's not. And let me show you that very, very clearly. So if you go to John chapter 20, verse 19 to 29, um, would somebody like to read that for us? Or should I read that for us? Yeah, verse 19 to 29. Yeah. It's long. It's okay. Ten verses, yeah. <laughs> it was late that Sunday evening, and the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Then Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. So, clearly, my good friend on the plane, whom I haven't heard from since, um, or maybe acquaintance, I should call him, was not alone. We had a situation here, what we just read about. Have anybody heard of Thomas before in the Bible? And what he did? Doubting Thomas is his nickname that we give him. Is anybody here called Thomas? No? All right. Cool. <laughs> but Thomas... One of the disciples, as you correctly read for us there, he had a bit of doubt. Where, let me kind of set the scene for you guys, right? So this is the evening after, this is the evening of um, Christ coming back, right? So this is on the Sunday, all right? So Good Friday happened, Jesus was sacrificed, right? He gave up his life, crucified, I, I should say. And then Saturday, everything was dark, right? Christ was buried on that Friday. Sunday, he resurrected, he rose from the grave. And we're in this month of Easter where that's what we're, our discussion is about. So we're continuing as to, from last week. That's why I asked so many questions about what we learned last week, right? So we learned the significance of the resurrection. And now we're at a point that even though we know the significance of the resurrection, there is still some concern, there's still some doubt. So the evening of when Christ rises, he goes and sees Mary Magdalene. He tells Mary Magdalene, hey, Mary Magdalene, go and talk to the disciples and tell them that I'm coming, that I'm here. Okay? So they all gather, and then, then that evening they're having dinner, and then Jesus appears, right? And he's with them. And they're all so excited. Like, yes, we've seen Christ, like you're back. 
But at that time, Thomas wasn't there with them. So when Thomas gets there, they tell Thomas the story, they give him the news. And Thomas is like, no, 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 no. I got to see him with the, with the nail, right? In, like with the spot open in his palm. I've got to see Jesus before I'm going to believe what you guys are saying. Right? And a week later, Jesus comes and he shows his, nail, his hands to Thomas until Thomas finally believes. And then Christ is like, you know, blessed are those who have not seen me yet believe in me. And what is it called when you believe without seeing? What's the word? Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us it is faith. Yes, right? Faith. Do you see how Christ is just everywhere? Even after the Gospels, he's just everywhere in all of Scripture, right? So he tells us here that belief is very, very important. So I want to talk about three things that Christ leaves us here with post-resurrection, right? We've gone through one of the reasons why some people don't believe, because of other people, right? We've gone through one of the, another reason why would certainly be because of their own intuitive self-doubt, right? Things that we've heard from other people, some people needing to see. Have, do you guys know anybody who absolutely needs to see something before they will, like, agree with you, right? And do you know people who, even after they've seen something, still do not believe? One of the things that a lot of people say from other faiths, atheists, whatever they may be, whatever faith they may, they may follow, is that, hey, I've never seen God, so this God of yours who's just up in the sky, he needs to come and show himself to me before I'm going to believe. Now, God works in so many ways, and most of the time, God knows that even if he were to show himself to the people, they still would not believe. Why is that? Because Christ showed himself to so many people while he was still there. He explains them. He did miracles. He did so many things, right? But these same people who were shouting Hosanna were the same people who just a few days later were shouting crucify him, right? So we have to understand and know that that part of it where we want to see God before we'll believe, we need to dig deeper, because that's just a surface level excuse. Because if we truly don't want God, even if we saw him, we would not believe. You guys with me? Cool. Now, let me just pause real quickly and just ask you guys, if you're not taking notes or something, please put your phones away. You taking notes, Francine? Thank you. My buddy in the back, please put your phone away. Put it away, okay? Thank you. Question somebody? Yes. Yes, so the first one so far is around belief, right? Um, blessed are those oh, sorry, sorry. Blessed are those who did not see yet still believe. Right? And then we talked about the reasons why some people don't believe. Now let me throw it out to you guys nice. Those are the two that I had, had, had kind of thought through as I was going through this. Any other reasons that you guys would like to add as to why people don't believe? Did I hit the main ones? Yeah? I guess, like, one, one reason is, like, uh, it requires you to, like, it would require a response. Mm -hmm. So if, if, if it would require, require you to, like, change what you're doing pretty drastically. Yeah. That's perfect. So you said it requires a response for you to potentially change what you're doing drastically. And when we really think about it, we keep it a buck with one another. That's truly the core of what our main problem is. We have our own nature. We have our own sin nature that fights against anything that is godly, anything that Christ wants for us, right? Our own flesh nature. And we know that even if this Christ might be real, we have to give something up. This man from thousands of years ago, who people are saying is the Christ, why should some man, and some people even call him white Jesus, 
right? Why, even though he's not white in any of the sense of imagination, but why should the, why should we follow this Western religion, right? Why should I do succumb to, to this when that has nothing to do with me? Until we come to figure out that it has everything to do with you. And at the end of the day, it's our own pride and what it is that we want versus what we know that we'd have to change and shift about ourselves, right? The man who um, I was on the plane with, unfortunately, people have made it very difficult for him to believe. And that happens a lot. Even within this very church, many have come, many have left because of what somebody else has done to them. Maybe some of you guys may know some of them, your JY friends, maybe you may know if you ask them, hey, you coming? You're like, no, so, so, and so did me dirty. And it's a one thing to, to, to not come, but then continue going somewhere else and, you know, keeping up with Christ. But many use it as an excuse to not even show up at all. Because Christians are just so terrible. Right? When we, re- when we really... When we can get pretty hypocritical and pretty, you know, we say that all Christians are hypocrites. We say that the church is just filled with bad people. We forget that we are one of those people. The moment you will never find a perfect church, a perfect place of worship, a perfect body of fellowship. Why? Because the moment you join it, it will stop becoming perfect. Right? Because you yourself are not that way. So we really need to, 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 to understand that that piece of other people, yeah, there are people that can sway you away from Christ and their actions can do that. But if we truly, truly understand the resurrection, that Christ coming to die for us, if you guys have said, how significant that is to have a relationship with Jesus. If we truly, truly focus on that, nothing that people will do will move us away from God. You guys got a lot of life left in you, way more than me. And you'll end up seeing a bunch of things that I've ended up having to see, even within ministry. People who you think are like, you know, you're following them and you're watching them, they will make mistakes. They'll step on your toes. Please don't let that be a reason that you say that, oh, there must not be no God. There must, there must not be a God. Jesus must not be real because... He's very, very, very real. So, the first one was obviously unbelief. The second one, what the resurrection, post-resurrection comes to show us is that it it reassures us that we are forgiven. Christ reassures us that we are forgiven. Now, how do we know this? That's what we started out with our reading one. So, in our reading... Christ comes over to Peter and the disciples, seven disciples he meets. So this is all after he's, you know, this is everything we're talking about today is post-Easter, okay? It's post-resurrection. So we've talked about one instance where he met the disciples, he had, you know, and, and Thomas wasn't there. Now another instance is Peter, John, other disciples, they're getting together, they're fishing, Right, and um, you know, Jesus Christ is gone, so they're just kind of going back to their lives and doing what they used to do. Peter was a fisherman. Paul made tents. Paul wasn't there at this particular time yet, but they're going back to what they're doing. And then Jesus shows up, and he's like, "Hey, they haven't caught any fish at that time, right?" And Christ shows them the way to be able to catch the fish. He says, "Throw your net this way, and you'll catch the fish." Right? So they throw their net that way and they catch about 153 fish exactly. Right? This is all within John 21. If you read a little bit earlier, you'll see. But one part that we picked out that we stood up for and read today was the part where Jesus asked Peter three times. He asked him, Hey, do you love me? And what did Peter say? He said, Yes, Lord. 
you know that I do. Right? When Peter saw Jesus, he jumped in the water and started going straight to him. And then, they decided, and then Jesus said, you know, here's the fish that you, that you caught. Let's eat and break bread. And as they were breaking bread, Jesus asked Peter those questions. Does anybody know why Jesus asked Peter, do you love me three times? Does anybody remember what else Peter did three times? Yes. Huh? Yes. So if you go on over to Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 34, I'll read this one really quickly for the sake of time. In Luke 22, verse 31 to 34, you guys can write this down. It reads, Simon, Simon, this is Jesus speaking. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you and that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And then you jump right on over to verse 54 to 62 of the same chapter 22, and that reads, this is when they had arrested Jesus, okay? Now all the disciples started to scatter. So this part reads, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the highest priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. All right? Peter followed along. Everybody else kind of scattered. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Denial number one. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Denial number two. And after an interval of about an hour, still another, insisting, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you were talking about. Denial number what? Three. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the sayings of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter made a mistake. Peter did what we all have done and we all do. We tell God, God, I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth when you're on that stage where you're on fire for God, right? That term. I don't like using that term, on fire for God. It, I don't know. That's a whole other story. Even if you, if you read on the, the version in John, if you want later on, and in John it's a... Um, just for your notes, we won't read this one. But if you read the version in John which you should later on. See John chapter 13, verse 36 to 38. John chapter 13, verse 36 to 38. And then also John chapter 18, verse 25 to 27. If you read that part, it will say something similar that, hey, God, I'm not going to deny you. God's like, yo, you're definitely going to deny me. And he's like, no, 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 me? No, I'm with you to the ends of the earth. Right? And then Peter makes this mistake. The reason why we read Luke is because Luke includes a reason. Luke, Luke adds some light on to exactly how he felt about this. And what did Luke end up saying? That he went away and he wept bitterly. How many of you guys have felt that way before? Yeah, you tell God, God, like this time, I'm with you. And then when the going gets tough, you're not. Am I the only one? Show of hands. 
Don't mind. He said, everybody wants to be a believer until it's time to be one, then nobody wants to be one, and the going gets rough. Christ, when he returned, could have just left Peter, could have just left that situation alone. But he said no. He comes and tells and asks Peter, do you love me? And Peter says it three times. That basically signifies that Christ has come to restore, to reaffirm, reconfirm Peter. To let Peter know, hey, Peter, you are forgiven. And that's so, so important because after he made those mistakes, Christ, could have, when he came back, he go, yo, you definitely did not do what I was expecting, right? Oh, you did what I was expecting, but here it is, right? You didn't do what you said you were going to do. And I think that's a lot of us in many ways, including myself. So the resurrection did that for us in confirming that we are forgiven and reassuring that for us. Peter goes on to do amazing things. And Peter is one of the major pillars post-gospel teaching that we'll see in Acts. So that was point number one, two. Now the last point that I will leave you guys with, and then we'll close out for today, is going to be in Acts chapter one. So everything is kind of close together today. Acts is the book that comes right after the Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you got Acts. And then after Acts, you got Romans. But we're not going to go to Romans today. We're going to go into Acts. Also known as Acts of the Apostles. Yes, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And I'm going to read these, but I I encourage you guys that throughout the week, please take time, go back, read through it, digest it as well, right? I've had some time with this over years in the past, and it's done wonders, so I encourage you guys to do that too, okay? So one thing that I want you guys to know, you know what, before we get to that part, let's read this part together, and I'll explain what we take from this, Okay? So Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11, it reads, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Before we get into that part, let me take a pause and ask everybody to wake up and please sit up. Please. If you need more sleep, please sleep earlier. If I see you sleeping again, I will ask you to stand. So sit up and put your phones away. Gracias. Thank you. So we're getting to Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11, where the Lord says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he has given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, As they were looking on, he lifted up 
He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. The third point, and last point, final point that I want to give you, is that Christ gives us boldness and courage to face difficult situations. And one part that I really want to point out to this, why, why boldness and courage in this situation? Anybody think of why? Somebody read the verse 4 again. Everybody take a look at the verse 4. Verse 4 just says, And while staying with them, Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Let's think context, right? Be with me here. Let's think context. What's happening in Jerusalem? What just happened? What just happened a few days before? Anybody? Jesus was crucified? Yep. Right? Jesus was crucified, right? So if Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, and you are a disciple a follower of Jesus. If you had two options, to stay in Jerusalem or to peace out of Jerusalem and go somewhere else, what would you prefer? Show of hands for those who would want to stay. Show of hands for those who would want to dip. Show of hands for those who aren't sure what they do. Okay. The reason why this part is very critical is because innately we would have left. When you are in a situation of fear, a situation of danger, a situation that's so difficult, a lot of times you just want to give up. But we are reminded here, we are instructed by God to not depart, to stay. Why are they instructed to stay? Because the work in Jerusalem is not yet done. The same reason when God tells you to go to a particular place, to stay in a particular place, know that the work that you're going to do there is important. Or the work that you're doing now here is also critically important. So you got to ask yourself, what is God even asking me to do in this place if you don't know? That's very, very key. Right? Christ never leaves us in a place without equipping us with what we need to be able to deal with what we're going through. And in this situation here, what does he do? He tells them that you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? You know, we got some new folks, so I always want to, we know we've talked about this in the past before, but I always want to take it back to basics and just ask that question. What is, who is the Holy Spirit? That's I start picking, picking people. I want somebody that hasn't spoken yet. Can't pick on Brent anymore, he already spoke. Um, 
My buddy in the yellow. Yes. Wonderful shirt that you've got there. You mind helping us? Can you kind of talk a bit about the Holy Spirit? Who who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is Jesus? Not exactly. But maybe give me some more words. The Holy Spirit. Hmm? Sorry, say that again? God? Yes, yes, okay. More, that's much closer. So the Holy Spirit is God. Thank you so much for that. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is one of three. When we talk about the Trinity, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Holy Spirit. We talked about this and had some sermons on this way back when. If you don't remember, go back, check it out. But just as shortly, God is three persons and one being, right? We as human beings are one person and one being, right? The being being what you are, the person being who you are, right? So there is only one God in three persons, right? These distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, okay? We'll get that more in that detail in some other time. But what I want you guys to know is when we read here, we say Holy Spirit, baptize the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Holy Spirit here is simply that, hey, this is also God, right? Not a different type of God, not a different type of thing. It's a different person, right? But also equally God. The Holy Spirit is not a different form of God. This isn't modalism, okay? Where you can think, don't think of it like water, ice, and then ice goes to, sorry, don't think of it like ice goes to water and then water goes to steam. That's not the Holy it's not God in the three persons. Think of it like water, ice, and steam, all there at the same time, okay? And they're all God, they're all distinct. That's a little hard to wrap your head around, and we'll definitely make sure we come back to that a bit more if that's confusing for you guys. But what I want you guys to get out of that is that Jesus Christ, God the Son, is leaving. He left, right? He went up to heaven to go be on the right side of the Father, God the Father. But he's saying that he's bringing... My God, God. But he was saying that he's saying that he's bringing God the Holy Spirit, or some people say Holy Ghost, to be with us and to fill us. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. So when you accept Jesus Christ, now let's put it all full circle, right? If you do not believe in Christ, if you don't believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. How do you acquire the Holy Spirit? It's not by going to some camp and speaking in tongues and that. No, that's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is with you when you, agree, when you decide that Lord, you, know, you want God to live in your, in your heart. Right? Like what Sam was saying earlier, it's so, so critical. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, we don't just continue living and doing the same things we used to do. We make an attempt to change. And the Holy Spirit is the reason why we're able to change. The Holy Spirit is the reason why we're able to have belief. The Holy Spirit is the reason why we're able to have boldness. The Holy Spirit is the reason why we're able to have courage. That's why I say God did not leave us alone. And he's never, ever going to leave you alone. We can always decide we want to back away but he's always going to be there. And, and he equips us and he gives us the strength. He said, hey, I'm throwing you as sheep among wolves in some scripture to go out there and teach the good news, to go out there and share the gospel, go into the, all of Judea, all, 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 everywhere you are, wherever you may go in life, on a plane, for example, wherever you may find yourself, that God places on your heart, to share the gospel and share the word with somebody else. Be ready and able to be able to do that. Always be ready to give a justification for the faith that you have. Correcting people gently, right, is what the word tells us. So maybe all of this might be gibberish for some of you. I pray that God will open your eyes 
to what he did. Like we read about it all the time. But like Michelle taught last week, do we have that response? Do we have that innate response within us? Or is it just words? You know? Let it not be words, but let us truly realize and recognize what Christ did for us on the cross and how that has now given us the opportunity to believe even more because he's given us the Holy Spirit to work with us and all the wonderful things that the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit was always there, mind you, okay? But when we came to believe, when Christ left, the Holy Spirit then had some additional responsibilities, if you will, to come and dwell inside of us. And in that dwelling, to be able to help us to change. We cannot change on our own. So if you're somebody also who's been saying, you know, my belief problem is stemmed from the fact that I just keep sinning. And I don't think that God is ever going to forgive me for that. I want you to know that Simon, Peter, did it three times. And Christ came back and pointed specifically to him and said three times that if you love me, then feed my sheep. What does feeding my sheep mean? Who are the sheep? Who are the flock? The flock is the body of Christ, right? So if you love him, in what way are you feeding the sheep? In what way are the, is your, in your communities, the, the people next to you, your friends, your family, schoolmates, if you, if you will, in what way are you feeding them? We see how Peter ends up doing that a bunch in Acts. When we tell God we're going to do something, the Holy Spirit came and helped him. It all blends together, guys. But you'll see within Acts, if you continue reading, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon them at the day of Pentecost, which we'll talk about sometime in June, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them at the day of Pentecost, Peter becomes a whole different person. And he does exactly what Jesus told him to do. Now, I'll end this finally and say that obedience is only made possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because what we want and what God wants are so different. So, I don't know which of these categories you fall into. Perhaps you're somebody who needs to be reminded that you can have boldness and courage in Christ to whatever situation you're dealing with. Maybe you're somebody that needs to be reassured that you are forgiven. If you've truly gone to God, ask for forgiveness and have a plan, right? To say that I will not do this again and only with your help. So if you're somebody who's still living at the front part where you're struggling to even believe in this whole Jesus thing, this whole church thing, maybe you show up just because your family drags you. I know what that's like. And you're not trying to go today but your mom ain't gonna let you be at home. Right? I hope you will see and that God will show you and make himself real to you. Right? Because he says that blessed are those who believe and have not even seen. May we not be like Thomas in wanting to get all these things, to see all these things before we will believe and if you were somebody that did believe but now not so much because of what somebody has done to you what somebody has said that is supposedly supposed to be representing Christ and you're like uh, this person terrible so because of that I'm going to just dip out and not follow God I pray that you understand that that person is equally human as you are they are no better at fighting sin in times than you are. It's only by the Holy Spirit. And so forgive that person, forgive yourself, and give God a chance again.
Amen. Should we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day that you have given us. Lord, it is a blessing and a joy to be before you. God, today we just pray that all that you have taught us, that we not just leave it here, but we take it with us. Father God, I pray for anybody who is struggling with faith, just believing. And it's due to so many things, and I pray that you open it up to them. God, it's not so much of a black and white, but it's very gray in some places, and people have been through so many things. For many times, God, many have asked, where are you in this situation? Father God, will you remind them you remind them, dear God, that you are always there and that inaction on your part does not mean that you do not exist. It solely means that everything is working to serve your purpose. Father God, will you let those who continue to struggle with sin, may they be reassured, Lord, that they can fight it and beat it with your help. May they be reassured that you love them. For those who are not, Lord God, but always look back on their past and think, man, why did I do this? And it weighs them down. Dear God, for those people, I pray that you help them to remember that they are a new creation and that the old is gone. May they not dwell on the past, but run towards the race in front of them with endurance. And that you love them and reassure them. And dear God, finally for those who struggle to have courage, to have, to have boldness and faith in you, please help them. Let them know that they are loved by you and cared for by you and that you will get them through any and everything, despite their situation. When you call them to stay, God, give us this strength. Let your Holy Spirit give us obedience to be able to obey what you have asked us to do, no matter how hard that may be, no matter what we may lose, because, God, we are ready to give up everything that we have to follow you, dear God. Please get us there those who are not ready. Get us there so that we will walk in this life together in fellowship, but also growing in you and deepening and strengthening our relationship with you. God, those who do not have a relationship, please build one for them. Let them know you in a deep, deep way. Oh God, we thank you. We bless all these people here with any blessings you've ever blessed me, dear God. Bless each and every single person here today. Give them wisdom, guidance, strength for the journey ahead in their lives. That they may be eternity focused and minded to focus on that and not on the cares of this world. God, we thank you, we love you. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen.